As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. You notice the new music, huh? Some fancy new graphics. And <laughs> Very music. nice. New music, new graphics, oh. same hosts. <laughs> We're going to regionals. On the right today, John Hancock. Hey, everybody. On the left, right over here, he's Michael Kelly, of course, and I'm John Brown. All right, the big story this week, the impeachment vote. Actually, no, at this point, that's second biggest story. Wait, or was it third or fourth uh. at this point? What a week this was. Here's the recap. This is what the end result is. One day after he was acquitted, President Trump touted the headlines and expressed no remorse as he claimed vindication. I never thought a word would sound so good. It's called total acquittal. From the East Room of the White House, the president lashed out at the Democrats he says tried to bring him down. Adam Schiff is a vicious, horrible person. Nancy Pelosi is a horrible person. Trump repeated a jab he made at the House Speaker Pelosi during the National Prayer Breakfast, accusing her of being dishonest when she says she prays for him. I pray for the president. I pray for the president. Pelosi, who was four seats away from Trump at the breakfast, later hit back. I don't know if the president understands about prayer or people who do pray, uh, but we do pray uh, for the United States of America. I pray for him. Basking in his victory while surrounded by Republican allies, Trump also denounced the one member of his party who voted to convict him on the abuse of power charge. And then you have some that used religion as a crutch. They never used it before. Say hello to the people of Utah and tell them, I'm sorry about Mitt Romney. Some Republican senators have claimed Trump learned his lesson after being impeached. But today, he insisted he did nothing wrong. I had some that said, oh, I wish he didn't make the call, and that's okay. If they need that, it's, it's incorrect. It's totally incorrect. During the at-times rambling remarks, Trump appeared to undermine aides who claimed earlier in the day he would express honesty and humility. We first went through Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all bull. Instead, he lashed out at the investigations against him, which he dismissed as efforts to take him down. It was corrupt. It was dirty cops. Uh, it was leakers and liars. And this should never, ever happen to another president, ever. All right. Well, I'm not sure we've ever had another week like this. I was taking down the notes here. We had the State of the Union. We had the Iowa caucus mess. We have um, uh, the impeachment. And then his press conference steals the week. Where do you want to start with this? Pastor? Well, I got. You want to start with some of these? Gifts right? are getting more authentic. Wow. I, I got one word for this, Brown. Okay. That was something. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was just an amazing week. You know, the president is his style and tone are well known to the American people, and 
if you read the polls, half the country loves it, and half the country is disgusted by it. And so, uh, not unpredictable that he would re react this way to being exonerated and being uh, totally acquitted. And, uh, you know, and, and so... It's a hyphen word. But, but here's what's true politically. President is now at his highest uh, job approval that rating true. that he's had in his presidency. And while this whole impeachment thing has played out, Joe Biden has gone from presumptive nominee to fourth place on life support. And, and Donald Trump has seen his job approval rating reach its apex. So I don't know that whatever you may think about all of this, the politics of it for the Democrats didn't work. Well, a lot to unpack there from what you just went through. Highest job approval rating, 50%. 49. Yep, 49%. <laughs> yeah. You've argued that this is the greatest economy in the history of the world. If this was Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, they'd be sitting at 65, 70% approval rating, and they'd be coasting to re-election. Put me in the category of the 51% of the people who are disgusted with this man and the majority of Americans who are going to come out in November and send him back to the garbage pile he came from. Now, Donald Trump has kind of broken the historical norms for running for the White House, so this may or may not hold. But historically, over the last half century, a president who could get his job approval at 45 or higher into the way re-elect usually wins, almost always wins. And when that re-elect drops below 45, they almost always lose. So this is a key indicator. But, but the, the other thing that really bothered me about that press conference was, like, I get it, he's going to attack his enemies, he's a despicable person with the way that he uses his language. But to attack Mitt Romney and Nancy Pelosi on their faith on the same day that he's at the prayer breakfast to tack him on their faith? I don't know how any God-fearing true Christian could stand by and, and be supportive of that type of behavior. All right, so let's go through some of the highlights of the week. Let's start with State of the Union here. Despite everything the president's going through, especially at the time, right? He had a good story to tell about how the country is doing. So, John, in this case, you were talking about the economy. I mean, he, he put on a good show. I think that's oh. another thing people aren't used to is, I mean, you had a, a soldier surprise. You had Rush Limbaugh. You had all these things that makes it different. But the Rush Limbaugh thing, I found to be extremely insult insulting. Now, let me put the shoe on the other foot. If Barack Obama would have given an award to Louis Farrakhan, would we still be standing here and brushing this off? Or, think or about, Harvey Weinstein. Oh, think, wait. Yeah, but think of the language that Rush Limbaugh has used about leaders in this country. It's more language that I can't even use on this program. You want to give Rush Limbaugh an award, give it to him. The State of the Union was not the appropriate place to do it. No doubt about it, it was quite a show the president put on. You know, the, the front end of that speech, if there's an analogous presidential State of the Union speech in recent history, it was Bill Clinton when the economy was roaring in the 1990s. Remember, we had a balanced budget. Uh, and, and when Bill Clinton went through that litany of just facts of where the economy was, it was impressive. And as a Republican, it was troubling. What Donald Trump did with that recitation of economic numbers, real numbers, uh, it's a, you know, it's a staggering. The, then that speech had potential to be so great. I think the tone was really off in the room for obvious reasons. He was in the midst of an impeachment. He hadn't been acquitted yet to go and snub the Speaker of the House with not even a look or a handshake prior to it. I, I, I watched the State of the Union and I thought the behavior all the way around just gave me the feeling of sadness. Yeah, let's talk about that very quickly. Okay, you saw the missed handshake. Whether or not he saw it, who knows, right? And then you saw the tearing of the speech for Nancy Pelosi. Um, okay, so 
she got the big standing ovation from her caucus the following morning. But maybe some damage was done, too. Moderate voters weren't impressed. The, their impression of the speech went from good to very good after what she did. So, Michael, I think, you know, and then somebody said, well, she's doing what he did. Well, but she's been saying we can't stoop to the level of the president. And then she did an action like that, whether it was in retaliation, who knows. I, but what it did is it sold moderates on his speech even more. I'm telling you right now, I think Nancy Pelosi is one of the smartest, if not the smartest politician in the country. I'd follow her anywhere. She's led us through this thing. How could you not have listened to that speech and watched the antics of this president over the last year and not been disgusted? I think she lost her cool. I think it's absurd that Republicans are acting all exasperated about the way that she behaved when we consistently watch the president do the things that he did, even at his press conference the day after his acquittal. Two things. I think that's the best speech he's ever given. And if that Donald Trump is front and center for the next however many months, he's going to be reelected. Two... Uh, the behavior of Nancy Pelosi um, has been tried before. I remember a guy named Marco Rubio mm. who decided to employ Trumpian tactics against Trump. Didn't work out so well for Marco Rubio. And maybe there's a double standard, but maybe there is. All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, we're talking about the big winners and the big losers this week. The big loser may have been some of the Democrats up in Iowa. Big winner may have been Michael Bloomberg. Hancock and Kelly. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Let's talk about the Democratic primaries. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Let's talk about the Democratic primaries and the fallout from Iowa. All right, no way to spin it, right? The Democratic caucus was a mess. Party leaders wanted to start clearing up the nomination process. Instead, they found out it wasn't the Russians they should have been worried about when it comes to messing up elections. We can do it pretty good right here in the Midwest. So at this point, all we know right now is that Mayor Pete can make a good case that a gay man can get elected in Iowa. Bernie Sanders has a pretty good case to tell his followers that he's being cheated. Elizabeth Warren, well, she says she got some votes. And Joe Biden can make the case that his campaign is more of a charity case at this point. So you may be able to write off your donation as a charitable contribution. So don't worry, you win even if he can't. The DNC now has said uh, they should re-canvas. Do you want, are you gonna call on the-, on the I think we should, <laughs> we've got enough of Iowa. I think we should <laughs> move on to New Hampshire. I mean, the people, it really did distress me because I want all over the state of Iowa, and the people there are really great people who take their responsibility of the first caucus in the country very, very seriously. And it is really sad that the Democratic Party of Iowa, if I may say so, screwed up the uh, counting process quite so badly. Well, now we're hearing all the conspiracy theories about why it was screwed up. You've seen those out there by now. You're up first, you're the Democrat. This was I a mess. I am the Democrat. This yeah, was it was a, a complete mess. mess. Uh, so obviously the Democratic Party in Iowa failed miserably and ultimately I think it's going to spell the end of Iowa uh, mm -hmm. being first in the nation. 
I'm all for that. Uh, that, having been up there most of my life working on different campaigns. It's not reflective of the country. The people up there are spoiled rotten when it comes to seeing the campaigns, well, you, et cetera. You, you were just up there, and you said the people are like, well, I haven't actually met all the candidates. Yeah, so right. They expect to it's, meet it's, everyone personally. It's absurd. We should be going to regional primaries, the Northeast, the Midwest, the Southern. We can talk about that sometime, but th th this isn't the way to do it. It's not reflective of the country. The big winner of, the, the, of Iowa, from my perspective, is Pete Buttigieg. Why not Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders has been canvassing and working on Iowa since the last election he lost. He spent four years there. Pete Buttigieg, a mayor from a really small town, came up and has made Iowa a game. And he's been able to springboard it into making himself relevant in New Hampshire, another state that's not reflective of the country. The real game goes on to South Carolina and Nevada. That's where the rubber meets the road. Joe Biden is on life support. He not only has to win those two, the two states after New Hampshire, he's got to continue to win after that. That's a really daunting task. And I think John may be right that, that Joe Biden is on life support, and we may be seeing the end of it. Iowa doesn't make you a winner, but it can't make you a loser. Well, and, and here's, you know, very underreported here. 2008, in a, in a two-way race, Obama, Clinton, Record turnout in the Iowa caucuses for Democrats. 2016, a two-way race. Sanders, Clinton, less turnout. 2020, how many candidates? It, you know, five that were substantial. Mm -hmm. And the turnout was more like 2016 than it was 2008. That, that indicates a lack of passion with more candidates to pick from. That's an underlying cause for concern if I'm a Democrat. And, you know, if they... If they nominate Bernie Sanders, uh, he can't win, you know. And I now I've been wrong Especially before. when the economy's this good, though. I mean, yeah. that's that's the other point with yeah. this one. First of all, I think any functioning adult is going to beat the president. But I'm with John in that there are some candidates who have a tougher road to the White House than others. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, top of that list. I don't know how they persuade never Trumpers and moderate Democrats to come along with them. Having said that, we've seen the energy and freaky things happen before. For goodness sakes, Donald Trump is president of the United States. Yeah, that's right. And I think you might have been saying some of the same things about Donald Trump that I'm saying no about doubt. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And in, a, in, a, in an odd way, two fairly similar uh, profiles. Donald Trump was not an uh, inside partisan. He was running against the party as much as he was running against the Democrats. Bernie Sanders, very much the same kind of figure, both of whom had... Very large and very passionate followings. I, I want to read this to you very quickly. This came from the Chicago Tribune, just to show you how messed up Iowa is, okay? <clears throat> so they caught up with the guy at 929. His name is Brian Polpeter. He said, I like them all, but I'm kind of swinging between Amy and Bernie. He acknowledged they have different views, but he found both engaging. So, ultimately, he was persuaded to join with Pete Buttigieg. Here's his quote. You're, you're going to love this one as a Democrat. He said, I was standing over by Amy's people, but no one talked to me. A Pete woman came over, and so I said, okay, I'm going to go with Pete. Yeah. It's like middle school. Well, so because nobody talked to him over at these other two locations with Bernie and, uh, and Amy, he felt slighted, so he voted for Mayor Pete. Caucuses are the one of the most mess. undemocratic things we do. Yeah. There's no absentee voting. There's, you have to show up. You have to spend three hours there. 
It's a flawed process. It's over with. And thank goodness this debacle has ended it. It's the mm -hmm. high school lunch table, Brown. Yeah, certainly is. what it is. All right, the big winner was the guy who didn't even go there. May have been Michael Bloomberg. He didn't lose any ground in Iowa. Now it appears that he's going to be allowed in some of these debates coming up. As we said, with Joe Biden fading, the uncertainty of Mayor Pete as being electable, and fears of the far left wing of the party, all right, it appears Democrats are trying to keep someone in the race who they believe can defeat President Trump. And I think the results from Iowa underscore that we need a candidate who can build a coalition broad enough to unite the party and strong enough to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump and beat him. That's the coalition. All right, so there you have it. Very quickly, John, your thought. You had said all along there's a path for this guy here. Yeah, I mean, when he first employed this strategy, I thought this doesn't make any sense to blow off the first four contests. But... If he was banking on the emergence of Bernie Sanders and banking on the erosion of Joe Biden and setting himself up as really the only alternative, and unlike these other Democratic candidates, this guy's got real money. Mm. And uh, a lot. It, it, you know, Trump, Trump's sitting on $100 million. Sanders is on $18 million. Okay, that's a huge gap. Well, you take that $100 million for Trump and you put a billionaire on the other side, all of a sudden that $100 million doesn't look so big. A real billionaire. One of the funniest things he said this week, trying to get under, underneath Trump's skin, he said, um, one of the reporters said, aren't you worried that people are going to say this is just two billionaires fighting? And he said, well, who's the other one? <laughs> That's why you get under Trump's skin. Is it, it is a unique money. strategy. I, I do have some problems with somebody buying their way into the race or the perceived way that he might be buying his way into the race. But this is the political rules that exist. Um, he's definitely somebody who's out attacking the president. and He has a passion to see him removed. As a Democrat, I'm starting to really like his message. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, when is an audit more than an audit? Republicans and Democrats digging in over that audit by Nicole Galloway's office over Josh Holloway's former office. Thing that makes me want Welcome back to the world-famous C-Block on Hancock & Kelly. This week, the Missouri State Auditor released her audit on the former Attorney General's office. As you likely know, the auditor is a Democrat, the former Attorney General, Republican Josh Hawley. By law, Nicole Galloway has to do this. But there seems to be some disagreement over whether the audit should have been released to the public. She did conclude that Hawley's office didn't appear to break any laws, but did have some questionable practices. All right, heard you guys going at it on the radio over this one. There's a lot to, to piece together here. John, you're up first on this one. Why don't you think that this audit should have been released? Well, I guess I would point to three things. Number one, they, they inadvertently copied Josh Hawley on an email that said we need to beef up this section. Mm. All right, that's number one. Number two, the hiring of Claire McCaskill's campaign manager as a senior person in that office who's not a CPA uh, inherently politicizes things. But my biggest concern with this, when you're doing an audit, you go through and you talk to the employees and you say, look, you can tell me anything, any concerns you have, we're not going to reveal your name, we're not going to share, and we'll look into it, and if there's something there, it'll be in the audit, if we can prove it. Uh, but it, you, you promise them anonymity in exchange for them being honest about what they fear might be happening in the office. She released 400 pages of, of interviews from people that they previously told were going to be anonymous. Now, Eric Schmidt, the Attorney General, thinks that's a violation of the law, 
It's certainly an ethical breach and a big one. I think this is a big so, deal. Let me get this straight. John has a problem with beef, number one. That threw me off there. You, you have a problem with beef all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, well, you're number two, it's her constitutional duty to go and do this audit. She came forth with it, found several things, just like she did to, with Chris Koster when he left, found that he had some issues that had taken place. We find out that Josh Holly had his paid campaign staff sitting in the office and helping instruct the state taxpayers staff no that's against the law no, that should not, not have happened not using a state funded car to go to a political event no shouldn't have happened and eric schmidt all of a sudden wants to threaten uh of the a felony he tried for months to keep this audit from even coming out he didn't want his good buddy josh holly to look bad for the things he had done wrong if he really believes that he, she did something wrong, sue her. Take her to court. Well, Go forth with it. You, 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 you may very well get just that. Here's, here's the political problem with this, okay? Mm -hmm. And I know we're short on time. The auditor has one real political asset, and that is the impression that they're an independent watchdog of government and they're equal opportunity, you know, thrown out waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, the minute the auditor becomes perceived by any portion of the electorate as a political operator, for a Democrat to win in Missouri, they got to get 100% of the Democrats, they got to have an overwhelming majority of the independent voters and pick off a few Republicans. If she loses the credibility of the office, her political viability is shot. She has been an effective independent auditor, and that's exactly what she did. It's interesting that there's going to be questions of politicism coming from the Republicans when this is all over defending Josh Hawley, remember? He wouldn't prosecute David or Eric Greitens. Eric Greitens yeah. didn't do anything wrong. Nothing to see here. I would say the one, one big fallout on this would be who's going to talk to the auditor in the future. If you think, well, I'm being, no one's going to know who, who I'm talking about, right? Then it's quiet. But if you know your name might be released, you're not going to be forthcoming. Well, I that would be my concern. Look, it, this is the, it's not the same, but it's similar to a journalist where you have a, an yeah. off-the-record conversation. We get fired for that. And then the, the journalist, and then the journalist releases the, the interview. You're done. Your credibility's done. And, and CPA ethics are, uh, let me say, Brown, higher than journalistic Because we have no ethics. <laughs> All right. One more story here before we go. coming from Republicans. All right. Uh, football back in St. Louis. Yeah. XFL begins today. The Battle Hawks heading to Dallas. There they are, Brown. All right. So what do you guys think? Are you excited about this? I'm going to watch I this. actually am kind of excited I, all of a sudden. I am making this appointment TV. And I, when I first heard that uh, football was coming back, it didn't really intrigue me, but once the rules have come out, et cetera, I, I'm kind of bought into it. Oh, I, I'm so excited about the Battle Frogs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tuned in today, Brown. This is going to be, this could revolutionize St. Louis. Battle I'm Frogs? excited. Battle Frogs. Battle Hawks. Uh, but Battle Hawks. You're never going to get a free shirt. <laughs> Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it's time for their final thoughts. Stick around. What about that? All right, welcome back to Final Thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. Okay, you're up first on this one. What you got for Final Thoughts? So there's a conversation right now going on about red light cameras coming back oh, to yeah. St. Louis, the St. Louis area. I've always been opposed to red light cameras. And the last couple months ago, I got T-boned by a guy who ran a red light camera mm -hmm. or who read a red light. Got out of the car and immediately started saying, you ran the red light. I didn't. Fortunately, there was a witness there that did it. And fortunately, I wasn't hurt. Cost me a lot of damage to my car. My opinion is evolving on red light cameras. I hope they're not there to poach money off of us when we come to make those rights on red. But if they can keep us safer, I'm all for it. All my right. buddy's using beef and T-bone in the same show, Brown. Oh, boy. I didn't care for the show too much today, Brown. <laughs> oh, yeah? No, I... Uh, <laughs> Whoa. I, I, those uh, are my notes. Uh, well, Brown... I sign those and sell them to charity. <laughs> Who needs them?
<laughs> Thanks for watching. <laughs> All right. Hey, and thank you for watching Hancock and Kelly. Remember, you can catch us anytime. Get it there on your smartphone. Just search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris, Sunday with Chris Wallace is coming up next. We'll see you back here next Sunday.